After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Mahalo, Evan. Today's guest is Dr. Hank Wu, founder and CEO of CBI, Cellular Bioengineering, Inc. Dr. Wu is an inventor with five issued and numerous pending patents. He has an undergraduate and medical degree from John Hopkins University and a master's from Harvard University. Dr. Wu recently won the 2005 R&D 100 Award for the development of the Neural Matrix chip. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Dr. Hank Wu. Welcome to our show, Doc. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about CBI and what they do? CBI is a technology company based here in Hawaii. And our focus is uh, really to become a leader in the area of what we call regenerative medicine. <clears throat> that is the engineering and the creation of tissues uh, to replace those tissues that are aging or diseased or injured, basically. Is that like cloning or is that different? No, it's very different from cloning. Our, our expertise is really uh, cell biology, tissue culture, as well as material science. So one of the, the lead projects we're working on, for example, is the ability to create human corneas in a laboratory to serve the 10 million or so people around the world who are blind, and most of these people would probably never have a chance to see ever again in the absence of a donated cornea for transplantation. How, how did that whole thing come about? What's the story behind that? I was, um, I was on an airplane ride, actually, between... Uh, uh, Tokyo in Honolulu one day, and I sat next to uh, a physician uh, who's an ophthalmologist who actually taught me something very interesting, that uh, because of mostly cultural reasons uh, in Asia, most people, they don't like to donate organs uh, for transplantation, whether it's the cornea or kidneys and so forth. Like so, superstition? Um, it's, really a, it's, it's really a whole you know, host of you know, different cultural reasons. But basically, to make a long story short, as a result, there are many, many people um, uh, in Japan and China and most parts of Asia uh, who are blind from corneal disease. And the only way you can restore their vision is with a corneal transplant, um, but there's simply not enough tissues around. So it's, it's actually a huge global problem affecting tens of millions of people. Were you aware of this before you started, or did you just find, oh, that's the need, and you just went for it? Well, you know, as a surgeon, I actually have been involved in different types of transplants in the past, but I personally was not really aware of the fact that there's such a huge shortage of, uh, of uh, tissues from transplantation. So it, it, as an inventor, it, it caught my curiosity. So I actually spent about a year working with a lot of different scientists around the country to, see, to try to find a technology solution that could potentially address the problem. So did you self-fund that then for a year? Uh, it was self-funded actually for the first year and a half of the operation. Just, you know, we... I went to Japan, I, I talked to the Koseisho, we met with the Japanese FDA and, you know, the iBanking folks, and basically really trying to understand what, are the, what is the scope of the problem, really on a global scale, and then very, very uh, systematically look at, you know, major research institutions and top scientific talents who are working on technologies that could potentially address the problem. 
So you guys actually have done it, right? You've regenerated, I think you said something like a thousand corneas from one actual cornea. We can we can reproducibly in the laboratory, um, basically grow and magnify and replicate the cells from the cornea. You know, the corneal endothelial cells, so that we can we can create these cells, bioengineer these these cells uh, to be used in transplantation. And uh, it's uh, the, the laboratory work has been very successful to date. Do you have to go through clinical testing for that too, or how does uh, that work? Yes, yes, we do. In fact, we're in conversation with the FDA right now in terms of trying to figure out you know, the process and the protocol and so forth. So dollar size, this market is potentially how large, do you think? Well, it's, uh, it's an interesting question, um, and there are several sort of components for that answer. I think, f- just to give you an example, in, um, in Japan, right, Japan is half of our population, uh, so basically Japan should be doing about maybe 25,000 cornea transplants a year. United States, we do about forty-five to 50,000 cornea transplants a year, restoring vision to these people. But last year, Japan actually had only uh, 1,000 donors, basically. So there's a gross shortage you know, every year. And if you look at the backlog list, there's probably uh, a couple hundred thousand people in Japan alone, probably more than a million in China, probably several million you know, throughout Asia, are people who could actually benefit from a transplant, uh, but who otherwise can't have it because there's just no supply of tissues. Um, so actually, on a global scale, it's a multi-billion dollar market uh, that's basically unaddressed. Do you guys have competition in this area, or are you pretty much the only player? No, I think with every, uh, with every important problem and with every great idea, there will always be competition because the world's filled with smart, intelligent, you know, motivated people. Uh, however, what's very interesting, though, is that the United States is conceivably the only nation in the world where we're the most generous in providing tissue as, as donations. So actually, in the United States, there isn't a huge shortage. It's sort of equilibrium, and in fact, uh, we, we are sort of a, a net exporter uh, of a small amount of corneas. Um, so there isn't a huge amount of competition from this country, and, and I'm also happy to report that when you really think about biotechnology and bioengineering, um, U.S. is really still one of the top competitors on, on a global scale. So, yes, we do have competition um, um, around the world. However, we believe that uh, cellular bioengineering really is the dominant force in this area, and we are we're the leader on a global scale right now. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Audi sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at GreaterGoodRadio.com. Today's guest is Dr. Hank Wu, an inventor of five issued and numerous pending patents, and the founder, 
and CEO of Cellular Bioengineering Inc., which has been quoted having a billion-dollar potential. What is your role in the company? Are you doing the well, the inventing and you know the science behind it, or are you the one that's speaking to people and trying to get them to help fund your company and support what you folks are doing? Well, I'm the founder of the company. Uh, my current job title is CEO, uh, and what that means really is uh, you do everything that's necessary to to make it work. And I think fundamentally, the most important thing is to basically find and uh, recruit uh, great people uh, of all sorts, right? Because you need engineers, you need scientists, you need people who, un- who understand, you know, regulatory issues, working with the FDA, um, you need individuals who understand patents and intellectual property. So my job is really um, that of um, a cheerleader, if you will, right? You want the world to, number one, understand why this is an important project, why it's going to have a huge impact on the future, and two, for them to not only understand it, but then embrace it and become part of it and uh, and make it something that they really believe in and drive things forward. So that's really my job is, is that of uh, both as an executive uh, and as an evangelist on behalf of the company. How did this whole thing get started? I mean, you went to medical school, correct, to be a surgeon? Yes, yeah, the happiest 14 years of my life. <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> so what happened then? You, you started doing residency and then you decided not to practice medicine? Or Actually, I happened? did practice medicine. Okay. In fact, uh, so I went to medical school at Johns Hopkins. Uh, I finished at Hopkins and I went to, uh, uh, I did a year of general surgery, finished my internship in general surgery at the University of Hawaii. Then I went to Stanford to be trained as an orthopedic surgeon. And uh, so I finished at Stanford as orthopedic surgeon and as a chief resident at Stanford. Uh, then I finished a fellowship in sports medicine focusing on shoulder and knee reconstruction. Uh, but during my tenure at Stanford, I, I really sort of fell in love with what I do, what I love to do the most in life, which is to invent, basically. So I started to invent um, lots of different things while I was a, a resident at Stanford, gadgets, devices, uh, instrumentations. And I started to, uh, to find that um, there are small companies and large companies who are very interested in, uh, in acquiring or, or licensing my technologies and inventions. So Basically, one, two, one thing led to another, led to another, and um, that's, uh, that's how I basically eventually became a full-time inventor, entrepreneur, starting companies around technologies in healthcare. Do you have any of these technologies that we've maybe heard about? Uh, possibly. I think um, I have probably, I would say, maybe between 13 to 15 products on the market that have been involved in you know, the conceptualization, development, and development, and inventing. And but they're all uh, all in the health or medical or surgical areas. Okay. So all of your gadgets are in the medical field. It's not like an everyday use type of tool. Uh, you know, I've had some interesting um, ideas for everyday tools as well. But you know, my focus really is in healthcare. You were mentioning that you wanted to focus on not too much of the everyday gadgets, but the medical gadgets. Are there any gadgets that you could tell us about that we might see in a doctor's office? Uh, let me think. Or a hospital. <laughs> Probably you see a lot of my gadgets in the operating room. Uh, for example... One so hopefully we don't see it, right? Hopefully you don't see it, but if you see it, I think you'll be very happy with it. Devices for artificial hip replacement surgery. We actually have uh, also consumer healthcare products in a variety of areas. Uh, for example, products to, uh, in the area of reproductive health, uh, fertility, and so on and so forth. So you don't ma- manufacture the products yourself then? You conceptualize the idea, patent it, and then license it to another company? 
No, usually when you, when we initially have an idea, I mean, the, the def- determination really is: is this a product or is this a company? Right. If it's a product, what you want to do is develop the product to a point where it can be sold or licensed. And but if it's a company, what I like to do is then you know bring the people and the resources together to really build a company around a technology that could you know, be a platform, basically. Did you always have that thought of being able to build the company? Because you have a, a really good top-level perspective. A lot of times entrepreneurs start and they maybe invent something or they come up with something and they become the end-all. I mean, they're doing everything in their company. It sounds like you have a much different perspective. I think my philosophy is very simple. Everyone's got unique talents and expertise in certain things, and no one can do everything, basically. And so it's extraordinarily important to bring in people who are really good at you know, various areas of, of, of specialty, right? People good at operations, people good at finance, there are those who are good at engineering, good at manufacturing, regulatory, and, uh, and so on and so forth. So like I said before, it's really about building a team of individuals who can together create a lot of value together and, and hopefully do something that's going to really make an impact. At what point in your life did you realize that, that it's about building a team and it's not all about you? I think I learned that early on in life, actually, because, you know, if you really think about it, mo- most of the things that we do in life that's, that's enjoyable and that brings us, you know, memories that's long-lasting really involves a lot of people, right, whether it's friends or relatives or people we really care about. So it's, um, it always takes, as they say, it takes a village, basically, to make anything worthwhile successful. So the other product that Cellular Bioengineering is working on is a nerve cell on a chip? Yes. Last year, we licensed a technology from the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. And it's a very interesting technology. What, what it does is it allows us to grow nerve cells on the surface of a chip. And it allows us to grow those, surfs, those nerve cells in very specific patterns. So the idea is we can now basically grow a circuit board of n- neural cells from the brain on the surface of a chip. And, uh, and that has, you know, very significant implications for the future in terms of what it can do to augment uh, memory and uh, nerve function. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek Work with Monsters so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with Dr. Hank Wu, an inventor of five issued and numerous pending patents, and the founder and CEO of Cellular Bioengineering, Inc. Dr. Wu, can you tell us a little bit more about what this chip actually is going to be used for, for the layman? Sure. I think this chip has many potential applications. One, I think the ability to allow nerves to grow and nerves from the human body to grow on external surface is a very significant step forward. 
And secondly, to allow these nerves to grow in very specific patterns on the surface of a chip has, uh, has you know, major implications. Ultimately, I think it is conceivable that one may be able to create what I call an external hard drive, if you will, for the human brain. So imagine if you have a computer, you have a laptop, or you have a desktop, and you have an external hard drive that backs up all your data, basically. Well, it is conceivable that if we can grow neuronal cells from the memory cortex on chips, that it is possible to be able to really advance the storage of human memory onto external devices that can help us, you know, remember those, you know, wonderful experiences and memories that, that are stored, you know, deep inside our brains. Could you have memories from someone else at that point? Hook up someone the chip from someone else's memory to you? Wow, Evan, that's a really good question. You should you should think about becoming an inventor. <laughs> that's that's really a smart question. Right. I think I think initially our, our focus and application is really to look at, you know, a couple of areas. One, for example, is um, is uh, Alzheimer's. As people age, they tend to have a problem losing short-term memory, but not long-term memory. And that may be an area we could have an impact. And secondly, when we look at um, uh, traumatic injuries that involves either the brain or the spinal cord, uh, I think the ability to be able to generate nerves and to be able to make them grow in very specific directions could have you know, a huge impact in restoring function in those areas. You know, it would be interesting if somebody has maybe amnesia or so, you can erase the negative memories that they have and put positive ones in there. Or actually almost be able to train somebody in a, you know, a much quicker and more efficient manner. That would be interesting. <laughs> so congratulations on your award from the R&D magazine. How has this helped your company to further your studies? Uh, well, the R&D uh, 100 award was, uh, was a real honor, I think, for our team members, for our scientists, and for the company, and also I think really for, for Hawaii. Uh, we were uh, very surprised and, and pleasantly surprised. Basically, R&D Magazine, every year uh, for the last 40-some years, they select 100 technologies that are considered the most uh, technologically significant uh, in the country that will really have an impact for the future. So, for example, past winners for the R&D 100 awards have included innovations such as the artificial kidney, uh, the fax machine, uh, the ATM, and so on and so forth. So basically, it's really a recognition um, by, uh, by really folks we never met before, 50 judges across the country, we actually don't know who they are, um, that, that our technology, the Neurometrix chip, is considered one of the most innovative in the nation. So I think it, it brings a level of, um, of recognition and validation that's, that's really uh, nice to have um, as a startup company. How did you become interested in this type of life sciences? Well, I guess, uh, you know, by my training as a, as a surgeon, as a physician and orthopedic surgeon, I think my interest has always been in life sciences and health and, uh, uh, and medical care. Did you always think that you were going to be a doctor when you were really little? Well, you know, first it was firemen, then astronauts. <laughs> uh, but I've always, uh, I was always intrigued uh, by the human body, how it works. And uh, and I thought it was really a, it was you know really a privilege to be able to you know look inside and understand if you will sort of you know, the workings of the human body and the human mind. Let's talk a little bit about social mission then, because it seems like cellular bioengineering has an interesting social mission. Can you go over that a little bit about you know what the overall mission of your company is? Evan, that's that's a really good question. In fact, it is it is the social mission which compelled us to start cellular bioengineering in the first place. Right. It was really the it was really the fact that there's more than 10 million people in the world who are blind, 
and who really literally never have a chance to see, and we say, hey, this is something that, that needs to be solved, basically. And can we solve that problem, you know, with using technology, basically? And um, so we believe fundamentally, uh, if we're successful with our development on the bioengineering of the human cornea and on our development of the regeneration of human nerves, we can make a significant humanitarian impact, you know, in the world. Uh, as part of our belief system as a company and, and our, in terms of our culture, because I think every company has a culture, uh, we are in the process of establishing a nonprofit organization as well so that when, once we're successful with the development of our uh, uh, bioengineer cornea, we will actually be donating X numbers every year to those who otherwise would not be able to afford it from um, developing countries, basically. And we think that that is something really important as part of our cause as part of our mission. So basically, as a company, as a culture, yes, we would continue to advance those technologies that would have an impact on the quality of human life. We would never get into a business of whether it's you know, alcohol or tobacco and the likes. It's, just, it's really a choice that we're making here. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. Neptunites. For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at GreaterGoodRadio.com. Today's guest is Hank Wu, an inventor of five issued and numerous pending patents and has been the founder, CEO, and chief evangelist of a number of successful life science ventures, including R&D Magazine's award-winning Neuromatrix chip. Let's talk a little bit more about that a nonprofit that you guys are starting. Have you started it already, or you're looking at starting it once clinicals go through? Or when's the when is the point? In fact, very early on in in the establishment of company, we we decided that we would we would do that uh, as a matter of course, basically. So it's it's forthcoming. Okay. And then, how does the nonprofit get funded? Then does cellular bioengineering fund everything for it, or do they fundraise? No, we would or? we would work with. Uh, Again, going back to the theme, it really does take a village to make something like this work. Uh, we're working with a lot of you know ophthalmologists uh, in Hawaii and across the country. Uh, we're working with a lot of different hospitals, and we would expect um, uh, the hospitals uh, to donate uh, supplies, that uh, surgeons to donate their time, and that we will be donating corneal tissue 
so that you know people every year who otherwise can never be you know afford this can have the benefit of a bioengineered cornea transplant. So almost like a clinic, but on a higher level. Uh, yeah, and there are many there are no different mechanisms in terms of the, the physical delivery of such things. Would that be in Hawaii that it would be located, or would it be located somewhere else? I think it's. I think Hawaii is actually an extremely important strategic location uh, for our business, and this is actually a great segue. Evan. I'm glad you asked that question. When you really think about it, the reason why we're in Hawaii is not incidental. There's a very specific strategic reason why CBI is here. Because when you think about it, there is a very large audience of patients and consumers who are in need of such tissues for transplantation across the Pacific Ocean, uh, Japan and many other parts of Asia. If you take the example of Japan alone, it's a seven-hour direct flight. We as a state know an awful lot about um, uh, hospitality and the Japanese language and culture. And we as a, a technology company, if we can really be able to provide and control the source of supply, there's no reason why Hawaii couldn't become a global center of excellence for regenerative medicine and specifically for corneal transplantation where we can draw very large numbers of patients from Japan and other parts of Asia to come to Hawaii for their transplantation. Especially with Hawaii being such a service-based industry, we thrive on tourism, we know how to take care of people. It would kind of be a nice mix that way, huh? Right, and also just on the practical side, you know, what better place in the world uh, if you have to have your vision restored to be able to open your eyes for the first time and, and seeing the gray walls, you know, the gray walls of a, of a hospital somewhere, you're seeing that the wonderful beauty that, that is really Hawaii. How far off do you think that is in the future? Uh, I don't think we're very far from that at all. We're in the process of dialogue with the FDA in terms of beginning our human clinical work, and we'll probably be doing a number of centers across the world relatively soon. Would that be in the next, like, five years or ten years, you think? Oh, I think it will be within the next two years. Oh, within the next two years? Yes. Wow, we're going to be ramping up pretty quickly here then, huh? Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the projects you're currently working on besides, you know, looking to expand with these clinics nationwide? Yes, uh, I think at, at CBI, our focus and our core competency really, again, is this whole area of regenerative medicine. So all of our research efforts is focused in that area. When you think about... The aging process. You know, a friend of mine was, you know, kidding the other day. This, you know, if someone had a pill that could make you live to your 150 years old, wouldn't that be great? And someone else came and said, No. Who who wants to live until 150 if you're not happy, you're not functioning? But the idea is, if we can provide the the mechanism to restore a function, uh, so that the, uh, so that uh, if if uh, the eyesight could be replaced, certain nerve functions, soft tissue functions could be replaced, so that we can significantly enhance the quality of life as we age, then it becomes a very different proposition. If we can age well, if we can age gracefully, if we can remember our friends and the people we love, and if we can do the things we really enjoy doing, then it becomes much more pleasurable to age, basically. So that's why I believe fundamentally the whole concept and the whole area of regenerative medicine, to be able to create... Uh, replacement parts for disease, injured, and aging organs is going to be a huge part of the future of medical care. And as a result, I think many people believe that regenerative medicine is going to be the next major revolution in biotechnology. And that's certainly an area we hope to make some contribution. Interesting view for the future, Dr. Hank Wu. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. 
This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii.